We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio on the Blue Wire Network, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. Make sure you're winning those bets today. My name is Dan Sanio, and with me tonight is Nathan Powell. Uh, week 17, Nathan, in the books, uh, fantasy championships kind of in limbo i guess at this stage um so with that obviously we we have uh, the unfortunate news of um demar hamlin and the the hit that he uh, received on the field which we believe sent him into cardiac arrest it sounds like things are doing much better but obviously uh from the tradecast family rotoviz blue wire we want to send all the best vibes we can to demar hamlin and his family uh if you're a religious person sending your prayers uh, obviously, we we all know that um, that they're definitely in need. It, it was very cool to see uh, the football community as a whole taking care of Demar's uh, uh, charities that that he has going on. We we know Buffalo is always very very good at that and taking care of their own. So prayers up to Demar Hamlin and uh, and the Buffalo Bills and the entire NFL. Anybody that's involved that was that was really not enjoyable. Um, Make sure you, you you hug and kiss your loved ones. All right. Into the show we go, Nathan. We talked about Week 17 kind of being in the books and championships kind of being settled. And with any of that, where where are we standing following Week 17? Yeah, it's it's officially Dynasty season. Um, you know, this is really when the trade cast shines. It's when we're talking trade values, talking up, t- track, talking ups and downs and rankings, all these different things. And it's really important to find, you know, really important in, in a dynasty sense to find who you're going to be buying and selling early in the offseason. It's the, it's very much an early bird gets the worm because when, you, when you're trying to make dynasty buys and sells in March, you might be behind the eight ball from the guys that have been dealing since early January. Of course, if your league has opened up trading after payments have been made, which if you're a dynasty league, I'm a, a, I'm a proponent of trade deadlines, but I am not a proponent of any sort of lag in between. I know some some uh, leagues shut down for January and open up after the Super Bowl. 
it's dynasty. It's 12 months all year long, except for the two, two or three weeks of the playoffs. Um, so yeah, get, get started with your trading now. And we're going to give you some tips, some, some tips and tricks that we think will work for the 2023 off season. We're going to start off with one of the, the lightning rods, one of the more, uh, high variance players, uh, in terms of value in the 2022 season going into 2023. And it is the Denver Broncos starting quarterback, Russell Wilson. I think that he is a huge buy. Um, there, there was some concern, and th- this might be like a sucker buy, you know, one week too late buy. But before he had, you know, a very solid game against Kansas City Chiefs, it had looked like you've seen 15 weeks of absolutely nothing from Russell Wilson. And he showed some signs of life with, you know, the weird, like, replacement head coach thing. Um, maybe it was a, the weight lifted off the back of not having the worst NFL coach in the, uh, in the NFL. Um, but the reasons I'm buying Russell Wilson are kind of the same reasons I was a fan of buying Russell Wilson in March and in April. The Broncos have some pieces around him. They drafted Greg Dulcich, who had a very solid season. Jerry Judy is looking like a very solid high-end wide receiver to low-end wide receiver one from an NFL perspective. And Cortland Sutton is Cortland Sutton. He, he didn't have the greatest 2022 season, but I still think that he's a very solid, like Judy, wide receiver two, wide receiver one, like hybrid type. So the pieces are around Russell Wilson. And if his legs are there, which his legs were there in week 17, he's very much a buy, even if his price has increased a little bit from his poor season. Well, yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We we kind of knew that uh, a little bit, a little bit of this, if not, you know, like 50% of it was on Russ because he, even when they were kind of looking moderately efficient on offense, it still didn't look right. It was very clear that the Nathaniel Hackett uh, situation wasn't great. Um, so I think, I think looking back, a, a lot of it is going to fall on the shoulders of the no longer head, you know, the the fired head coach, uh, and slightly less on Russ. He he still didn't look like the Russ we were used to, even though he's kind of been slowing down a little bit as the years come by. I think the one thing. Um, that's a little bit worrisome for me from a, a buying standpoint. Obviously, the the price is right right now, right? In in order to get into a potential QB one or a high end QB two, this price is very very reasonable. But I, I don't think this we've seen the ceiling of old Russell Wilson. I think I think this new Denver Bronco Russell Wilson is slightly different. He only had three games uh, over twenty five points. He actually had three two games versus Kansas City that were monsters. Uh, and another one, which was a 30-point game against Las Vegas, and then Seattle in Week One. Otherwise, everything else was under seven, 17 or, or fewer points for the remainder of the season. So not not a great floor, um, and, and the ceiling is slightly lower than it had been. And I, I still think that we see enough of the upside, and I think the floor only increases with the removal of Nathaniel Hackett. Plus, you mentioned all of the current weapons around him. Plus, they're getting Javante Williams back as well. Whether you love him or hate him, that that was that seemed to be great for the offense as a whole. Not necessarily for Russell Wilson, but the way he was being used, even with Hackett when he was getting the ball, it, it seemed to be going fairly decent. So, this this to me, I, I think, uh, off of price alone and potential for a QB two, like a mid to high end QB two season is about as good as it gets on in the quarterback market 
Um, you know, Derek Carr might sneak in there if he finds a new home just because of his like awkward benching with Vegas. But Russell Wilson is really the only guy with that high end, uh, you know, the, what we've seen from him in the past. We, we know that he can do it. We just need to see the Denver Broncos figure it out. And we're going to see what direction they go with their new head coach, uh, whoever that ends up being. It sounds like Harbaugh is, is high up on their list now. Yeah, and I think that the move you're going to try to make if you're trying to acquire Russell Wilson is look at some of the veterans that you might not necessarily believe in over the next few years. Jared Goff is a good one that might not cost too much to gap between Goff to Russell Wilson. Geno Smith, it's probably a little bit of a gap, but I, it's definitely going to be a lot shorter than it would have been you know, this time last year. And then looking at other guys, um, uh, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, um, Tom Brady maybe. That Kirk Cousins might be an example of Kirk Cousins for Russell Wilson plus you might be able to swing those are the type of moves I and Derek Carr maybe pretty evenly up for, for Russell Wilson. I still believe in Russell Wilson, still believe in his legs, and so if you can you know pawn off one of these guys that probably don't have as you know a safe of a future as, as Russell does. The one thing about Russell is that he's going to be a starting quarterback because the Broncos have no choice. They have all the all the pick capital and all the the salary capital invested in Russell Wilson. There is no option to cut him or trade him. He is guaranteed to have a starting job for at least three years. Yeah. And they're going to have to make it work one way or another. So um, that again, also elevates the floor, the removal of Nathaniel Hackett, plus the solidified starting job in Denver, because even if he's not performing well, you can't bench somebody making that much money. I mean, you, you can, but then it just turns into a Brock Osweiler situation. And Russ isn't at that stage yet. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. We have a rookie. We were t- we, we kind of started uh, our pre-show conversation with like, which rookie wide receiver do we want to go out and buy? Are we looking at George Pickens at wide receiver 24? We're looking at Traylon Burks at wide receiver 19. The bargain of the year might be Jahan Dotson at wide receiver 36. I don't see that holding up going into the offseason. I think he will rise even as we enter rookies into the system. I think that he'll be you know, in the twenties at the very least. And then with him, you're looking at, uh, he is a bit of a touchdown regression toward the negative side uh, that candidate, you know, cause he has, you know, scored a lot of touchdowns, but he might just be really good at scoring touchdowns. <laughs> um, but also I think that the, the bigger thing is that that Washington offense, you know, it, we say this all the time. It has to get better and that doesn't necessarily have to get better, but you feel like the 2023 Washington commanders are going to have a better quarterback situation than the Wentz Heineke situation. Well, and they may have played themselves out of a of a halfway decent draft pick, and um, and all the quarterbacks that might be worth having are more than likely going to be gone at that point. But there's going to be what sounds like a couple of of halfway decent quarterbacks available on the market that are already in the NFL. So uh, as far as Jahan Dotson goes, I think a lot of it comes down to what happens with Terry McLaurin and what happens with Curtis Samuel are both back, are both still producing in the same roles. Does anything change on that front? Do they do they move Dotson up in the offense and get him a more prominent role? I mean, when he was healthy, when he was being targeted, we're looking at like six or, or so games where he's, he's scoring double-digit points, uh, five of which are over 16 points. So, yes, he scored a lot of touchdowns. Uh, that's more than likely going to regress. But like Nathan said, maybe he's just a touchdown guy. There's some guys that are just touchdown guys. But I, I, I think I see more in Dotson and at, at his current price and with a decent amount of target share 
at this stage in his career. Obviously, he is only a rookie, so things are probably going to get better. I would hope that they're going to get better. Uh, we should be seeing more of Jahan Dotson. I, I think um, he had something like 55 or 56 targets uh, in 11 games. So staying on the field is priority number one. Priority number two is getting more involved in this offense. And I, I think priority number three is just Washington itself solidifying a quarterback because whether it was Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz, uh, it, it kind of went both ways for Dotson. He either had a great game or a bad game and he was either healthy or he wasn't healthy. There wasn't really like a, well, he's 80% and he's going to give it a go when he wasn't healthy. He didn't play. And when he was healthy, he scored touchdowns. So we don't, we don't really have a good, uh, you know, a, a great, read on the situation as far as him just kind of being out there every week and what the target share is going to look like. But I think as far as rookie go rookies go, he is pretty clearly the easy buy from this class at this stage. Like you said, we talked about George Pickens. We talked about Traylon Burks. I think both of those guys could still be buys just because of not only the draft capital, their great situations, potentially obviously Tennessee is not looking like a great situation for a wide receiver right now, but they also cost significantly more than Jahan Dotson costs. So uh, I think move, going into the offseason, you know, if, if you can get him for a reasonable price, and, and when I say reasonable, I'm, I'm probably talking more than a second, less than a first, or probably going to have to pay a late first to get into Dotson at this stage, unless there are some non-believers. So I, I, I don't have the, the ADP or rankings in front of me. But I'd assume that London is still probably high up there around where Burks is in the late, late teens, early 20s. I know that you aren't the biggest Drake London fan. So what would the gap be? If you're selling Drake London, what do you want on top of Dotson to get to London? I'd take Dotson in a two for London. Any two? Uh, any top eight two. I, I think that the last, the back half, I mean, second round picks are, are dart. All draft picks are dart throws except for the top few, because those retain value over time. Right. I, I just, I think getting that extra little bit of value that I could then potentially turn into something different is going to be worth the value because yes, Drake London probably has a clear path to being an NFL wide receiver one. I just don't think he has the ability to be an NFL wide receiver one. Whereas I think Jahan Dotson, could match up very nicely with Terry McLaurin and be a really good NFL wide receiver too, or even a utility type guy in what's kind of a strange offense right now. So I, I think the ceiling is, is probably much higher with Drake London, but I think the floor is significantly higher with Jahan Dotson. And as we all know, I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a floor player than a ceiling player, uh, which is why all my teams die at an old age. <laughs> And moving on to our next buy candidate, it is Josh Jacobs. Uh, he has the, the the crown gem of the free agent class. It seems like he's trying to vocalize his his chance out of getting a franchise tag. I still think that from an NFL perspective, it's probably the, the Raiders' best move to, to franchise tag him because he's one of the few players on that roster that have any sort of value or, or talent. Um, but... I think that more likely than not, they aren't going to franchise tag him, meaning he's going to be the, you know, the top running back in the free agent class, maybe alongside Jamal Williams. Um, but yeah, Jacobs, I, I think he's a buy just because he's going to be the RB one wherever he goes and wherever in, in like knowing players, like for the most part, 
rarely do top end free agents just go to like the worst possible situation. Like Josh Jacobs is going to be looking at like a, a Chiefs or looking at a Bills, like looking at a team like where can I maximize my talents? Where can I possibly go to the playoffs? Um, and those are usually going to be in better offenses. So, yeah, I'm 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 buying on uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, especially because he is the epitome of his points are always going to be worth more than his trade value. Well, and one thing that's honestly I'm never here talked about. He's only 24 years old. We know Saquon's young as well, and he's been in the in the league for what seems like forever. But Jacobs is only 24, and and this year I think he truly has shown that he can do whatever you need him to do. And I think the one thing going in favor of potential Jacobs buyers on the dynasty end is that the cost to acquire a running back has only gone down unless said running back's name is Christian McCaffrey. So is Josh Jacobs Christian McCaffrey from the NFL viewpoint? No. And that also means he's not going to cost that much to acquire from the NFL perspective as well. So I think you're spot on, Nathan, in saying he's not just going to take who's going to pay him the most. He's going to go somewhere where he can be the lead, where, where he is going to dominate the backfield because we saw it when Gruden was the coach. We've seen it over essentially his whole career, aside from really this year, where he wasn't getting the lion's share of the work. He was getting spelled by significantly lesser backs who, to be honest with you, didn't deserve those touches, and they could have done so much more in Jacob's hands. So I think he's probably learned from that. Now, if... Josh McDaniels sticks and he wants Jacobs as his guy and he's going to get rid of Carr. Maybe they prioritize getting him that contract to stick around. Maybe he takes a little bit less to quote unquote stay at home and then they make a move to go get, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, that that could definitely be a move for the Raiders, but I think more likely than not, the Raiders should probably go into rebuild mode, but who knows with what that organization ends up doing because their owner doesn't have any money. Um, all right, let's wrap up our buy segment with rookie picks. So, you know, typically, Dan, you're you're a big seller of the rookie pick, especially you know early on. Like you're you're gonna uh, when you get your 2024 rookie picks in February, you're gonna be trying to pawn those off as quickly as possible. They just um, go right out the door. I don't even try to sell them; they just go. <laughs> um, walk right out the door, special. Um, but Dan and I agree on something that the value here in rookie picks this year looks like it's going to be buying early first rounders. That isn't the one Oh one by John Robinson appears like he is going to be the locked in one Oh one in one QB and in Superflex. but there seems to be some ambiguity even in Superflex of is the one Oh two Bryce young or CJ Stroud. Is it one of the wide receivers with Quentin, Quentin Johnston or Jordan Addison? There's some, and Zach Evans at running back. There's, there's so many good talents in this draft, but none of them, it seems like are being valued as like top tier dynasty assets. And Bryce Young could very much be a top tier dynasty asset very quickly. The Houston Texans have no talent, but they have lots of assets in order to accumulate talent. They have lots of money. They can go out and maybe like eat a Devontae Adams contract. Um, so the Texans could turn things around quickly if Bryce Young is really good, assuming that they secure that number one pick and don't end up beating um you know, winning a game next week. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm big on the early early first rounders that aren't the 101. If you have the 101, what kind of package are you looking to move down to the 102 or 103? Do you think it's going to be a fruitful package or do you think it's going to be a minimal one? 
Well, I think it depends on if if you have somebody targeting Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Uh, I, I To be honest with you, I think C.J. Stroud may leapfrog Bryce Young for that top spot. Based on the Georgia game, uh, I, I think we saw kind of accumulation of, an, of an, a college career, and we saw everything from C.J. Stroud. Everything we've had questions about, we got answers to against Georgia. So I think if, if you've got somebody in the league, if it's a super flex league, targeting C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, you could move off of 101, and in an ideal world, I would move off of 101 to something else inside the top four, because that's going to guarantee me still either Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, uh, by John Robinson, or uh, either Jordan Addison or uh, Quentin Johnson or uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. What, whoever whoever I'm preferring or whoever goes earliest in the NFL draft out of the position players or or even if a quarterback is still there, you know, if you're moving back from 101 to 102, I I, I think conceptually you don't really need a lot of value but i still think if someone's after one of these quarterbacks to get into the top two and you can move back to three four five even and still get your position player that you're targeting uh i mean realistically you're you're probably going to get a you know a in theory like a random or a late first uh otherwise most of those teams are probably gonna they'd be offering you know the the one oh the, let's say the 103 and the 203 for the 101. That's a deal I'm snap accepting every day of the week. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that the what might be even another intriguing deal is I do think that it is a very deep class, but if I can pair multiple late first to get into more of that top tier, especially in Superflex with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Quentin, Quentin Johnston, and Zach Evans, I, I have that, him high up there as long as he ends up going day two in the NFL draft. Um, if you can use multiple late first or a late first and an early second to get into the 104, 105 and Superflex. That's definitely a move I'd be willing to make. And yeah, and, and I mean, the, the the running back class here seems to be relatively deep, especially when you consider the high-end talent. And I think the wide receiver group is starting to thin a little bit. And I don't know that this was ever necessarily going to be a, a crazy wide receiver class. Uh, I know Jordan Addison has been on the radar for a lot of folks for a while, um, and obviously, you know, this year was really dominated by Marvin Harrison Jr., but we won't see him until 24. So um, I, I think there's potentially three, four, five guys here that you could target by trying to get yourself inside the top five with whatever you need to, whether that's moving a 24 first. I'm not sure that I would do that. I think that 24 class uh, is is better in in my opinion. But the 23 class has names. It has talent. And I think you're going to have plenty of first and second round picks in this group that it's going to be worth trying to get up into that top five, give or take. Again, if it's super flex, um, there's going to be potentially three quarterbacks going in that top five or six. uh, If we do have three and that end up going in the first round, unless unless the uh, what's his nuts will Levis is uh you know if he goes to the worst place possible i still think he could potentially uh leap up in the rankings for a lot of folks so yeah target target the top half of these first rounders and like like we said i haven't seen these going very for very much they've been relatively inexpensive to acquire at this stage 101 has been expensive because robinson's been on everybody's mind for two years but 
the rest of this class is kind of an afterthought in the dynasty market. Yes, the quarterbacks are huge. They're worth a lot. They're important. But no one's targeting these picks for these guys. It's almost like they're waiting around to see, wait and see, wait and see. Why not buy now? And then if you don't like where you're at, you, you can still always move out. There's always going to be a buyer to get into one of those spots. All right, before we get into our sales of the week, I'm going to tell you that you should be looking to bet with winbet.com. We have our win bet of the week, and they do need some help, but it could be an interesting win bet of the week if we're going to look for a Aaron Rodgers collapse and a Lions playoff spot. Would that be an interesting way to sneak into the playoffs with Jared Goff, who might end up coming up very shortly? But before he comes up, make sure you get involved with WinBet. Sign up today to receive a special sports offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. That's promo code Rotoviz. Make sure you get involved with WinBet today. Maybe look at a Lions money line to get them in the playoffs. Who knows? Or if you're back in Aaron Rodgers, go with Packers money line to get them into the playoffs. It's going to be a crazy Sunday night game heading into the playoffs. Win your bet today with WinBet. Promo code ROTOVIZ. R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I mentioned it in the in the old ad read that I'm excited for, for the Lions and I'm excited for Jared Goff in 2020. I can't say I'm excited for Jared, Jared Goff in 2022 because it's no longer 2022, Dan. Um, I'm excited for Jared Goff the rest of this season. Um, so I, I do think he's an interesting guy. Um, he's a fun guy to root for. But I do think that he has kind of like played his way into like people thinking he's good. He played his way in thinking he's a long-term starter. He's not the lions. Like golf is good enough to play the lions out of being a top five pick clearly as he's on the verge of the playoffs. Therefore them having the Rams pick is going to be their highest pick over the next couple of years. So they have to look at spending a pick on the quarterback position. If they have the opportunity for a CJ Stroud or a Bryce young, or potentially if you're really into the will will leave this thing. And I'm I'm a big fan of Lions weapons, so I hope that's not the case. But <laughs> but I do think that the Rams pick going to the Lions is gonna be a very strong consideration for the quarterback, even with how good Goff has played in twenty twenty two. Yeah, and you know, the the dead cap issue that that kind of had has been a thing since he was with the Rams. Uh, you know, if had they had they not, you know, kept off this year the dead cap number was 41 million not not quite the 94 million that would have been 
had the the Rams uh, done something with them and not moved some of that cost onto the Detroit Lions. But now after this season, uh, I'm not I can't remember what the deadline is for this, but the dead cap hit in 2023, if they were to move on, would only be 10 million. While I, I do still think that Jared Goff is a Detroit Lion for at least one more season, that that number is much more palatable if they back their way into one of these decent quarterbacks, thanks to the Rams and and for them taking Matthew Stafford. So, well, I, well, I, I do think that, to be honest with you, I think Goff is locked in as the starter for the remainder of his contract. And I think the Lions continue to build around what they've built and essentially make that quarterback position plug and play. Where whether it's a free agent, a rookie in 2025, whatever it happens to be, I think they believe and Dan Campbell believes this team is really close to being very good. And they're a fun team to watch. I'm not going to not going to deny that. I'm not going to take that away from them. They seem to always be in it. Uh, or, or at least give us giving us a show, and I think twenty three and twenty four are going to be a golf year, but I think that's it. Uh, and and he could be, he could catch on as a backup somewhere or a bridge quarterback beyond that. But I think this was really the right place at the right time for someone like Jared Goff who who needed that career rebound, similarly to what we saw from Ryan Tannehill going from the Dolphins to the Titans. We saw a lot of success early, and it slowly tail off. I think 23 could potentially be that tail off year for Jared Goff, uh, following hopefully, uh, well, hopefully a playoff quote unquote run. But it's probably only going to last one game if the Lions do make the playoffs. Yeah, and so we we can't just sell a straw man here. So what what's the value here? Like, is it simply like, like the the real answer is he's probably worth. Less than a first, more than a second. It's probably where his value lies. But I'll take the 201 for him. I'll take the 112 for him. That's pretty much where I would I would be. Like, I think the lowest I would probably go is, like, 204. Because where I'm at is that, like, I think that the, like, best, quote-unquote, like, best-case scenario for Goff is the Lions wait until round two and go Anthony Richardson. And in that case, like, Goff has his job in 2023 and not 2024. Um but even then, he's still not a long-term starter, and I think that you have some semblance of a chance of that in that 201 to 204 range. Granted, it's it's definitely a long longer shot, but there is more upside. Yeah, and and I do still think that they're going to build around this team, not necessarily around Goff. Uh, I think they're just going to continue to add assets and take best player available. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Swift and Jamal Williams in that backfield. Uh, obviously, Amon Ra is, is locked in. We don't really know what Jamison Williams is going to be at this stage. They traded TJ Hawkinson uh, for a, a pick there as well. So I think over these next couple of years, they really get this team ready to to add a, a good quarterback. Not to say that Jared Goff hasn't been playing well this year because he has. He's quarterback 11 as far as fantasy goes. I just, the, the price-wise, I don't know that you're going to get a lot for selling Jared Goff. But I do think that he could be peaking out right now as far as value goes. He's probably going to be in that Kenny Pickett value type range, um, kind of a mid QB2, where I think you could probably get a 2024 first for him, just a random 2024 first. And I think that's probably a type of move I would be targeting. 
I might even be looking at a team that maybe has Malik Willis or Des Ritter. And even though that though those guys haven't looked great, I think if you can get one of those two guys added into a 24 first, that's an ideal type package for me. Or even someone like Jimmy Garoppolo or Jameis Winston, getting back a potential starter and a first with a what I believe is a guaranteed starter for two years. Uh, I just I don't see how this gets better for Jared Goff, and I don't think there's a ton of value. He is only 28, and so he has that on his side as well. But I, I think, unfortunately, a mid QB two is where his value peaks out. All right, let's move on to the running back position. We have a pair of cells here. One of them probably more obvious. One of them maybe more of a hot take. Um, start off with the obvious one. You know, you and I were always talking about selling co- second contract running backs. We're trying to sell late twenties, early thirties running backs. Austin Eckler. Um, granted, I was a ridiculous Isaiah Spiller truther and thought that Isaiah <laughs> Spiller would uh, eat into Austin Eckler's role, which that was moronic. Um, but there's just no way you can roster or pay top two round value for Austin Eckler at this stage. No, I mean, he's a 28-year-old, 27 going on 28-year-old running back, heading into the final year of his contract on what is a good offense, but probably won't be bringing him back unless it's on a very team-friendly deal. And even then, are we really chasing fantasy points from a 29, 30, 31-year-old running back? I can't imagine that I'm going to be adding that kind of guy anywhere, uh, at least actively. I mean, if, if I've already got him, you know, maybe he's just a hold for some folks. Uh, if you believe that he has value beyond 2023, because that is the last year of his contract. I I just, I don't see how he can be a sustainable value as RB six, RB seven, whatever he is, when you could just as easily go get Josh Jacobs, who is four years younger, three years younger, four years younger, you could get Nick Chubb, who is the same age, but I believe has more years left on his contract. You could get much younger and go get like Javante Williams. You could get a little bit younger and get Najee Harris. Um, you know, the, these are guys that are going to be worth a lot less and you're going to be able to get pieces added in. I don't know very many people going out actively buying 28-year-old running backs in the last year of their contract, but if you've got the ideal match made in heaven where you have a contender who is in the last year of their window looking for running back help. Well, guess what? Austin Eckler fits that bill very well. If you are an up and coming team, Austin Eckler should be nowhere near your squad. If you can add to him and get Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall. Great. I still think Jonathan Taylor's name keeps him in the unattainable group. And even though a lot of people have Brees Hall as running back one, I think he's much more gettable than Jonathan Taylor is. Uh, I'm not actively buying Saquon Barkley. I do think that you could add a little bit to get to Travis Etienne, and I don't think that would take a whole lot of anything. I would even consider swaps for you know DeAndre Swift or Josh Jacobs, uh, even going to the Mixon owner and seeing it, it because I, I feel like Mixon in Cincinnati has a lot more value to me than Eckler in L.A. So. Uh, I, I love the sell here. Um, you just have to find the right buyer and making sure that they understand that as a contender and you giving them one year of RB1 points is worth significant amounts. And, and they should understand that. But to me, that that's a that's an easy sell to a contender. 
All right, let's move on to our next one, a pending free agent running back, and it is Tony Pollard. I I think that the biggest concern with Tony Pollard and why he's a sell here is that people are going to, like, Tony Pollard reminds me of, I think he's the most, like, heralded, like, incoming free agent since Lamar Miller. Like, people have, are, are putting him in that, like, sphere of, like, he just needs to get that full RB1 touches. And what we've seen with him is that the more touches he gets, the less efficient he gets. Granted, that's everyone ever, you know. Except for Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, with, with Pollard, I'm a, I'm a huge selling on him. Like, if I can get any late first, I'm doing it. Um, just because I'm not a huge believer in him being a, you know, a team's, like, full-time RB1. Uh, and there's going to be there's gonna be some people in your league that, you know, think Zeke is terrible and that, therefore, Tony Pollard equals RB1. Yeah, and as much as I would love for him to succeed, he's just been so inconsistent. Uh, and, and they've consistently given him the ball, yes, they still give Zeke the ball a little bit too much. But th- if you've noticed over the last month or maybe two, Zeke's really only been a red zone guy, Pollard. And uh, I forget the name of the other guy when Pollard hasn't been healthy, but Malik it, Davis, Malik Davis. There you go. Those guys have been the ones out on the field, you know, but essentially, you know, uh, outside the red zone. So. Uh, Pollard has had a couple of massive games this year. He's had a lot of good games. I, I still think that he is a good running back. I just don't see him ever as the bell cow. I think he works perfectly in a committee type uh, setting. Uh, I think where he's at right now is just about ideal. It, it it stings for all of the owners involved, but from the NFL standpoint, he is the perfect type of back to spell somebody like. Ezekiel Elliott, kind of like how Chad White has done with Leonard Fournette a little bit, but it's kind of worked backwards because now Fournette's catching all the passes and White's doing everything between the tackles. So I think, and we've said it uh, probably a thousand times in the show, the NFL is becoming a committee backfield situation. That's just what it is. There are very few bell cows remaining. Even the guys that should be bell cows still have people taking snaps. I mean, we saw it with with McCaffrey a little bit in Carolina before he was traded, and we're still going to probably see it once Elijah Mitchell is healthy and and fully back, and that offense, you know, kind of doing things. Debo Samuel still getting touches there. There's so many places where backs are getting more touches than they should be just because you have to spell that guy because you can't get it to him 40 times unless his name's Derrick Henry. It's just, it, it's not feasible. It, it can't happen. So. Pollard, to me, is going to go somewhere with either an established one and he's going to play more in the pass-catching role, or he's going to go somewhere that they don't know what they've got yet, a place like Kansas City, who we saw great success from Jarek McKinnon this year. I think Pollard could fit that role very well, and I still think he could probably do more between the tackles than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, but again, that's, it's always comes back to the chiefs. It always comes back to the dolphins, places like that, where there's so much potential and yet they bring in all of these players and nothing ever comes of it, at least from a season long perspective. I I will wrap up Pollard with one thing. Um, so I, I did reference him like being reminiscent of the Lamar Miller free agency. There is one more recent one that it, it's similar to, and it's the guy you just mentioned, Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. So what you really need to do is you need to sell t- Tony Pollard as soon as he signs with his new team. And then in three years, when he plays for the Chiefs, 
then you can buy them again. <laughs> hey, man, that, that one hurts my soul a little bit. I'm still, to this day, like the biggest Jet McKinnon fan in the world. Georgia State, all the way. Here we go. All right, last one. Um, this is kind of a broad one, but it, it is... It's obvious, it's broad, but who cares? Um, you need to sell your late 20s, early 30s wide receivers. More, more important than that, more important than selling them, if you're in a startup, you need to be avoiding these guys like the plague. You don't need to be spending a second-round pick on Cooper Cup, on Devontae Adams, on any of those guys. These players are guys who are going to be hurting the dynasty value of your team. And so that that's just a, a word to the wise as you enter startup season is obviously somebody has to draft Cooper Cup. But unless you're drafting Cooper Cup in like the middle of the fourth round, like don't be the guy that is like sinking the future value of your team with Cooper Cup. Yeah, and historically speaking, and feel free, folks, anybody listening, to go and look at it for yourselves. Historically speaking, wide receivers, 28, 29, 30, et cetera, anyone above that threshold, their dynasty value, whether whether the production continues or not, their dynasty value jumps off of the highest cliff you could possibly imagine. We're going to see it with Cooper Cup, who's obviously with the injury, taken a, a pretty sharp turn going from like wide receiver four down to wide receiver 14. Um, you're seeing it a little bit with Devontae Adams, where you, you, you've still got uh, some people having him in the top five or six, some people thinking he's more like 18 to 20. Uh, Stefan Diggs, I think, is going to be in that that group as well uh it's it's not fun to do but if you can move your Tyreek Hills to go and get T Higgins or you can move your Stefan Diggs to go and get DK Metcalfs or Garrett Wilson's these are moves you you kind of have to make in order to maintain your dynasty value on your team like Nathan referenced before you're going to kill the the value of your team yes we know we're here to score points we we get that but the the point expectancy for these 22, 23, 24-year-olds over their career is significantly more than the point expectancy for someone like Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup or Tyreek Hill or Stefan Diggs because of time and how time works. They don't have much time left in the NFL. That's the unfortunate truth of it. So if you can turn one of these wide receiver ones now into a potential wide receiver one in two years in your Jalen Waddles, in your T Higgins, in your Debo Samuels, Amon Ross St. Browns, all of these guys, you, you have to do it De- now. De- Debo's like 28, so you want to be careful. Well, with him. Maybe, maybe not Debo. <laughs> He's 26. Maybe not Debo. But your 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 Chris Olaves, your Garrett Wilsons, like I said before, heck, even getting Drake London in something for one of these guys isn't the worst deal because the value sticks on these younger guys. And it falls off of a cliff as soon as these wide receivers hit 28 or 29. Go back and look at the historical data. It happens with all of them. Happened with Julio. Happened with Calvin Johnson. It it happens with all of them. So the points may still be there for a year or two, which is great. But you're you're significantly reducing your dynasty value on your team. Alrighty, that should wrap us up for today. Uh, you know, start looking around for some. Fantasy playoff leagues, those are always fun. I, I, I think Scott Fish will probably run his Scott Fish playoff league. I'm sure I'll run some, and, and other people run some as well. So that's fun, fun way to get involved with fantasy in the NFL playoffs. Um, anything to look forward to for week eight, week 18, Dan? One step closer to those uh, those trade bans being lifted in all of our leagues. Yep, got to 
got to get started to move into the 2023 season. Excited for it. And of course, um, Dan, you can say this for yourself as well as mine. I have orphans, plenty of orphans in my fantasy leagues. Um, so if you are interested in unique leagues, best ball leagues, auction leagues, leagues that you're based on your division or your team, there's so many fun ways to do it. Um, I have orphans. They're not all bad teams. There, There's some nice dispersals going on. Uh, there's going to be nice dispersals going on. So hit, hit me up at MPLFF if you're interested in taking on an orphan. Dan, do you have any orphans uh, to, to shop, shop as well? I, I don't anymore, uh, thankfully. I, I'm, I'm out of the commish business. Uh, when my my PayPal account got smashed and grabbed, I retired from my commissionership. Wait, hold on, hold on. So before we wrap the show, does so does that mean that I'm the the commissioner of the Western Leagues? Well, I mean, you kind of always have been. I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm just the louder voice. So when somebody has a dumb question, I'm the one that answers it. But you're the one that still does all the work. Yeah, which is why they're straight that lines. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that should wraps up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Good news.